the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 61. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy. Um, I think by the time this airs, I will have just been to your fair city. Right. But we're going to pr- not pretend like that you've already been. So. No, we're not. I can't act today. I'm not good. No. So I'm no. sure it was awesome. <laughs> not feeling it, but I'm sure it, a lot of fun was had. We're still <laughs> anticipating the mm-hmm. weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Forthright. Yes. Yeah. We are looking forward to it. How was your, uh, we just got through a holiday weekend. How was your holiday weekend? It's really good. Um, we did a little getaway. My husband and I went down to, uh, there's a place called 1440 Multiversity. Mm-hmm. Did you know there's 1440 minutes in a day? No, I didn't. Well, there are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to this um, place uh, to see Elizabeth Gilbert and Cheryl Strait last October. I did a workshop with them. And um, so I booked to go back there to see a talk with um, Dr. Esther Perel, who you had recommended and shared in our secret Facebook group, her South by Southwest talk. And I gave it tickets to my husband for our 20 year dating anniversary for us to go to this workshop. Um, the workshop for the whole weekend was called Radiant Intimacy. We only went to a talk on Saturday night. We didn't do the whole weekend. It was out of my budget. Um, but we got to see her. And um, before the talk, we went into this beautiful infinity tub that overlooks this redwood forest. And she was in it. And I was oh, like, wow. oh, I'm hot tubbing with Esther Perel. <laughs> and she was engaged with other people and giving advice and having these very deep discussions. So I did not bother her. Okay. I hmm. have to interject with yeah. something because I'm having a hard time visualizing. Yes. So you're going to a talk, but then you knew to bring your bathing suit in case you wanted to get into a hot tub <laughs> because I never would have. I would have just been like dressed up for a. What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, okay. Not, okay. Like, let oh, me s- I might want to get into the hot tub. Let me set the scene. Let me okay. set the scene. <laughs> so I've been to this place before, uh-huh. and I saw that they had this beautiful infinity tub that I've never been in. It was a pool, more like, not a hot tub, but it was a hot infinity pool that overlooked this redwood forest. It's amazing. And a couple days before we were going to the workshop, so it's about two and a half hours away from us, from where we live. Mm-hmm. So I looked up to see if we could get a room there that night. And worked out a deal, got a room. So we were driving all the way down there. I knew yeah. that we would have the opportunity to be um, in got that pool. It. So you were staying there, staying there for the night. Yeah, got it. <laughs> you like it? I just bust out my bathing suit wherever. Sandra, <laughs> <laughs> it's just I'm, I'm really I open have now. An opportunity to wear my bathing suit. So. <laughs> There's Esther. I got to go put it on in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So 
we did that before the talk. Um, but it was really, it was really lovely. And I have not read her work. I did buy her book called Mating in Captivity. So I am reading that right now. And she just had, you know, like I've watched her TED talk. It was a little bit of that TED talk that she kind of gave, but she just gave some really, really beautiful, um, little nuggets, you know, and there was this one that she said, relationships are a story. Edit well. Mm, and I was like, good. that, not just my husband, you know, or my family, friends, make it any relationship, right? Um, oh, yeah. So it was just fascinating. And she's super stylish. And now do not be surprised if I get my hair cut like Esther Perel, because she looked awesome. And I wrote down in my notes to really check out her hair more. <laughs> It was like short, hair. Yeah. short on one side. I don't know that I, I don't know that I could tell in some of the pictures online because it's short on one side. Maybe that's the side she puts back when she's having her photos taken, but it's very asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mine's a little bit like that. Oh. Mine's a asymmetrical. You have a I'll good get to look. Check it out in a couple of days. So I personal great, and I want to see you had it colored. Can you can you share with our listeners oh, yeah. what awesome like thing you did? I think I've really overshared it on uh, Instagram, but um, mm. yeah, it's like um, it's like rosy gold. So yeah. pretty. So yeah, do they have to bleach really it first it. and then oh, apply? Oh, the shit. Out of it. Yeah, <laughs> just like I mean, it was like uh, platinum. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to see that. Do you have any pictures of that? Well, it. The, the what happens is so the the pinkish gold part um, is a called a demi permanent, mm-hmm. and so it slowly washes out. So uh, it will get to the platinum, um, and then I can just you know dump some more of the other the, the pink the pinky gold color so back onto pretty. it. But yeah, I'll probably have fun with the platinum for a couple of days. <laughs> I love it. Looks so yeah. good on you. So pretty. Share away. It looks really good. How long did that take? That process. Uh, it took a, it took several hours. Yeah, yeah. It took about three hours. Um, but it's a very good friend of mine that does my hair. We've known we've we've even been roommates before, so we get we get time to catch up. So it's it's not like it's you know I'm not in a stuffy salon with a stranger or anything. Yeah, well, it looks it looks good. It's always the time factor. I always think about how long. I haven't dyed my hair, right? And it's been over a year. But even mm-hmm. before that, I was only dyeing it at home. And I did that for the last, gosh, six, seven years, just because of um, my budget of not of not working um, full time anymore. I decided to take that part instead of going to the salon all the time, I would do it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that even doing that, how I dreaded doing that just the time that it took and the mess and all of that. But you have somebody do it. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but then I can, I add the, so, you know, it'll stay bleached, obviously. Mm-hmm. It, there'll just be some growth or whatever. This is, this is the hair, this is hair talk. <laughs> Did you guys tune in for a hair talk today? Cause here we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the, it'll grow out and eventually I'll have some roots, which that'll kind of like add a, a different look and that'll actually probably be kind of cool. But then I can keep up the maintenance part myself too. So it's sort of, I get a little best of both worlds and I probably won't go back to her and get it bleached again for months because mm-hmm. it is, you know, it is, you can only imagine it's pretty, it's pretty hard on the, it's pretty hard on your <laughs> old hair. <laughs> 
Oh, well. <laughs> but I have been dyeing my hair. I've said this before, but I've been dyeing my hair since I was a teenager. And I love to dye my hair. It's like part of my creativity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's part of my ever-changing Gemini look. And um, it's, it's part of my personality, too, yeah. I would say. And um and then I never take it very seriously. Like it's just hair. It's like if it breaks off and whatever, I'll cut it short. You know, it's just hair. I don't, I'm not too precious about it. Well, when this airs, Miss Gemini, um, it will be your birthday. So today, the, the day that it airs, happy birthday. Thank you. This is a pre-birthday really, since we're talking today, but when it, this airs, it will be your birthday and I'm glad you were born. <laughs> you it'll mm-hmm. be the last year of my 40s ah feel significant yeah mm-hmm. do you have any big plans I mean I know we have big plans with the retreat and the weekend and everything but do you do something special or um, some usual tradition with your family on your birthday not really no? not, not, not really I've never I have not I've not been ever the kind of person who wants to make a huge deal about the birthday. I just, I, I don't know. I never have. Um, I, uh, but I like it if I don't mind it, if somebody else makes a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm not the kind of person who throws myself a party. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've never, I've never been that kind of person, but I will say that, um, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't feel negatively about about getting older anymore. I must mm-hmm. say. I mean, there was a time when I when I really d- disliked a bir- another birthday, but um, I'm excited about this birthday actually. And um, I have lots of things I like to do in this last year of my 40s. Like I said, it feels significant. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I am excited to see you, and I have a little something for you, which I cannot wait to give you. Um, there was a... Oh, oh! so by the time this airs, I will have already flown, and it's going to be so successful, Sandra, and I'm not going to have any panic attacks, and it's going to have been just such a lovely flight. Can you, yes. join, can you join me with that? I can. <laughs> I need some positive. Um, Sasha, who I'm flying with, and Allie, they said they're going to surround me with this golden bubble. Good. How did you like your acupuncture appointment? It was interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Sh- I'm going again today, um, mm-hmm. since I fly out you know, tomorrow. They build on each other. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going again today, and then I'll go as soon as I get back because I need to go closer together. Um, I'm taking some Chinese herbs, um, and the, the. Oh, I wish I had the bottle next to me. The first ingredient it says what the Chinese herb is, and then in the parentheses it says the word semen. And yeah. <laughs> I, I had lunch. Smell to high heaven. Some of them, yeah. I went to lunch with Natalie right afterwards, and I looked at the herbs. I'm like, oh, check this out. And she started busting up. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'll do what anybody. Somebody hands me a pill. I'm like, sure, <laughs> take that. <laughs> so I'm giving it a try. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Um, when I get back, I'll put some more appointments together. Concentrated. They've recommended for two or three weeks. Um, to go three times a week. But yeah, it was like you said, it was pretty mellow. Just everybody in their chairs. I nodded off, I guess. And the needles didn't hurt. So it was good. We'll see what happens. Yeah. 
We shall see. Um, So we should probably get two things here, but we want to promote, I want to promote really quickly. um, I have an art show that is coming up. I know that all of our listeners are probably all over the place, but several of them have um, sent me messages that live in um, Northern California that are coming out to the show. And I'm really excited about that. So it is going to be June 8th at Lawson Galleries from 5 to 8 p.m. is the opening reception. And that's in Guerneville, California. And uh, yeah, and then we're also doing a women's circle, kind of similar to the one that you just had in Austin. And it's going to be with Sasha Karelis and Natalie Fairbrook, who I just mentioned. And it's going to be art, yoga, and malas. And it's going to be at Soul Yoga in Santa Rosa on June 16th. And um, you can sign up on their website on soulyogasr.com. I think that's it for data information. So, um, yay. Very exciting. Do you have anything else you want to promote, Sandra? Not, not now. Not now? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Mm-mm. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> I wanted to share with our listeners that Sandra and I have been wanting to talk to some women in recovery who hold full-time jobs. And, um, we realize we have a lot of people on here, authors and musicians and podcasters. And but we wanted to talk to the modern woman in recovery who holds a full-time job, but also makes time and space um, to have a creative practice. And so we have Dr. Beverly Baptiste, um, who is my friend on Instagram and Sandra's as well. I am a pen pal with her and she's participated in the Recovery Gals Art Exchange. She's been my art exchange partner in that. And so I just thought, you know, she would be really great to come on and um, we thought she'd be lovely to have uh, to start this conversation. Right, because she has a very dedicated uh, creative practice, and she shares it on Instagram, and we'll give you her Instagram um, handle in just a second. But um, Beverly is a mom of two children and one dog. She's a passionate crafter, sports fan, and full-time scientist. She takes time every day to do something creative. Beverly believes that the comfort zone is underrated and has found a cozy life in sobriety. She occasionally posts to her blog weeds to wildflowers.com but is most active on instagram at weeds to wildflowers and yeah if you go find her on instagram you can see her beautiful illustrated uh, gratitude list there um she's also do, participating in the 100 day project and she's posting those for the time being which obviously will you know be up on her instagram um but yeah, she uh, she's making that all work, and we we have I feel like we have so many women that ask us, you know, I don't I don't have time. When you know, when do you make time for creative practice? If you work work full time, or if you have little kids at home full time, um, and I think she just she has some really great she has a great story and some wonderful tips on how to make that work. Yeah. So enjoy Beverly. Hey, Beverly. Hello. Hi, Beverly. Hi. Welcome to the Unruffled Podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, tell tell our listeners where you're at, actually. I'm in Baltimore. Baltimore. Maryland. And how long have you lived there? Um, Since 2013, so about five years. Hmm. Oh, I've never been to Baltimore. 
It's a great city. Um, there's a part parts of Baltimore that are very bad, like um, you may have seen in The Wire. That that exists. That happens here. Um, but that's a, those are pockets of town. That's not all of Baltimore. It's actually a really cool town. I've never watched The Wire. My husband has watched it. I think two times all the way through all the seasons. Like Fantastic he show. Really yeah, I it. think my husband watched that one as well, but no, not me. Yeah. <laughs> no, not me. There's not enough uh, hours for that for me. But that doesn't mean it's not a good show. I'm sure it's a great show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not real thrilled about it, though. <laughs> the people of Baltimore? The city of Baltimore, oh, because yeah. it, um, it portrays it in a pretty bad light. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so Sandra and I wanted to have you come on the show today because we have been, um, you know, wanting to talk to women in recovery who hold full-time jobs, um, but also make time and space to um, have a creative practice. And we thought you would be the perfect guest to um, start this conversation. So we really thank you for coming on the show. I know it's kind of like, um, can be a little nerve wracking, like, beforehand but um we're really easy we're really easy to talk to Beverly (laughs) (laughs) so how we normally start I think you've listened to this show so how we how we normally start at the top of the show is just to talk about how you came to the decision to quit drinking and then we can go from there we can dive into all the other stuff after that but would you mind sharing um I know tomorrow um June 5th is your one year anniversary right? Yep. So reversary, whatever you want to call it. So this is the Eve. This is your summer birthday. I got stuck with December 30th. So this one's going to get celebrated. Excellent. Your your sobriety birthday is right after my actual birthday. I'm just going to let you know. Yeah. Today's your birthday, Sandra. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, okay. So yeah, you want to delve into that and give us a little, a little, you know, whatever you'd like to share about that? Sure. Um, so I have a, a, a long history with drinking. Um, I was introduced to it as a kid. My dad had, um, definite ideas that kids should be exposed to alcohol. So they didn't, you know, abuse alcohol later, which was, I mean, I think a bit misguided, (laughs) but, um, I think he'd seen people in Europe be able to handle alcohol and thought that, that, that that would work here too. Not, not kind of understanding that I think it has to do with the, the cultural, um, like if, if drunkenness is acceptable in your culture, then people are going to get drunk, you know? And, um, so anyway, just say that I used to think that too. I mean, I, I really did. I really thought that that was a, 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 a reasonable thing to do, but yes, I've changed my mind about that. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Because if you look at, I mean, this, the same kind of young exposure to alcohol exists in England as it does in Italy, but the drunkenness issue is much more in England than it is in Italy. So I don't Mm -hmm. think, I think the determinant is the culture around it. And in our country, drunkenness is acceptable in a lot of circles. So that's what people do. Right. Right. Um, so anyways, I, I always like to drink. I have been a, I've always wanted to have a group of friends and have fun, you know, and that kind of went along with it. And, um, so I, I always really enjoyed drinking, um, 
in college, I, I drank a lot. Um, you know, I did kind of the normal things. Um, I was a very adventurous person. And so I lived in Alaska for a while and that was a lot of drinking up there. Um, and I, I drank pretty, pretty regularly until my first child was born. Um, when Anna was born, we lived in New Mexico and in a really not, not a fun part of New Mexico, like really tiny little town about 12 miles from Texas. And um, there was not really, it was much more difficult to get alcohol there. First of all, we didn't have any money, but also um, they had a lot of blue laws there. And I was just barely making it, taking care of this baby. Um, I don't know about you guys, but that shocked the hell out of me, how, how yeah. difficult that was when I yeah. had a baby. Um and I was just, you know, I, I, I look back now and I see, um, how much, how much I was really struggling and I really needed friends and I didn't have them. And so, um, you know, you make it through. And when my son came around, we had, we were living in Pennsylvania then, and I had a whole group of friends because I'd gone back to grad school and, um, I had friends that liked to drink and, I could have fun with my friends and bring my kids. And so I just kind of, I drank more when I had my son than when I had my daughter. Um, and I kind of just, and then when, when I moved to Baltimore, um, I have a, I'm kind of uh, a late bloomer when it comes, like I got my PhD when I was 43 years old and most people are about 27, 28. And then I went on to- my Oh, book. wait, back up. That's impressive. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that about you. Yeah. I, um, I had originally gone, um, for my PhD when I was 28 years old and would have got it around 33, but I had my son and I left with a master's degree. And then when he was seven years old, I went back and got my PhD. Wow. wow that's inspiring. very cool. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of hard work, but, um, it was, you know, what I wanted to do. And what does your drinking look like during that time? Oh, I was drinking. Um, I, um, you know, at that point, it wasn't until maybe 35, 36 that I started having more uh, hangovers from drinking. Before that, I was pretty much like, I, I really didn't struggle with hangovers. But like in my mid-30s, I started getting more hangovers, like even from lesser amounts of alcohol. And I was kind of confused by it. Um, but I didn't let that deter me. <laughs> um, I kept on drinking. But um I, I was always able to, you know, I wasn't, um, I was always able to function and, and get my, you know, take care of business as my, as my mom would say. Um, so, so very high functioning. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Always, always able to get the stuff done that needed to be done. So when I came here for a postdoc position, um, I met up with some people right away that, that were fun and, you know, some fun women in science. And we used to go out and do things all the time together. And, you know, I did a lot of drinking with them as well. Um, I, of course, am quite a bit older than them because they took a more traditional path or at least a, a medium traditional path. They're, they were all younger than me. Maybe, maybe the one closest was 10 years younger than me. So, you know, and I, I joined um, a running group, um, and most of them are younger too, but they all like to drink. Um, so I just was kind of part of, 
you know, Baltimore culture, all the festivals here, unlike in Pennsylvania, they all serve booze at all the festivals. And um, so it's a, it's a drink in town. It's not a drink in town like, like Vegas or Nashville or anything, but it is a drink in town. So you can always get something to drink here. Um, so what happened was that at some point, the hangovers just got to be more and more. And with the hangovers came really poor sleep. And that was getting to me. And, you know, I think, I think like most people who end up quitting drinking, there were many times in my, in my life where I questioned it, where I thought, you know, what are you doing? You know, especially after a long night of drinking or something, you know, you're old enough now, you shouldn't be actually getting drunk. But um, what happens with me when I would go drinking is that, like, I would just like the, the party to keep on going. I just wanted to have more fun. Mm-hmm. And no one ever was worried about me because I wasn't a mean drunk and I wasn't a nasty person when I was drinking. You know, people encouraged me to drink because I'd be fun and, you know, everybody wants to have a good time. And I think it was kind of an innocence there in that I just wanted everybody to enjoy each other and have a good time. But it, it, it became not so good time when, you know, when I'm sick the next day. So um, about a year ago, yeah, I, um, oh, actually, so the Jan- last Jan- January 2017, I did a dry January. So clearly I was coming up on thinking about these things. And how, um, how old were you at this point? So, so you've said that it was a younger crowd, but how old are you now? I am 48. 48. Okay. Yeah. And so right after I turned 47, I did a dry January and, um, that was actually really easy. And I think the reason is because I knew I just had to wait till February 1st and I could start drinking again. Yeah. I think dry Januaries aren't super hard for a lot of people. And then that, that like you're probably, I'm projecting here, but I'm assuming you're going to say it was easy. So then, Hey, I don't have a problem. That was easy enough. Yeah. Well, I think the, um, there was some good things though, because I did feel really good and I slept well and that kind of carried me through when, when I started drinking again, you know, I just went back to drinking how I was before. And, um, I had that, uh, these, you know, feeling sick in the morning and stuff. And, you know, I'd rather break my arm than feel nauseated. But yet I volunteered to do that, like, every mm-hmm. Saturday. Same here, yeah. You know, that's, like, the worst feeling in the world. Um, and so another thing is, you know, I I am a scientist, and I do know better in that I know that the, the thing that makes you sick is a breakdown product of alcohol. And it's also the breakdown, the, the existence of that breakdown product is what is able to damage your DNA, damage lipids, do all sorts of things in your cells. So the longer you spend feeling like crap, the more is actually happening bad to your body. You're not just feeling like crap. And as you get older, you have less activity or less abundance of the protein that gets rid of that thing. And so it sticks around longer. So, you know, I don't know. I don't mind getting old, but I don't want to make myself old before I have to be. Right. So, um, so yeah, it was just sort of a, a, it was, I don't even remember what, 
happened the night of. I just remember waking up hungover on June 5th. And I had to like call in and tell a lie to get come in a little late, you know, and I just I don't like to lie at all. And I felt like shit about it. And um, so I said, you know, what? I'm not drinking anymore. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and I didn't drink again after that. So that's kind of how I came there. And and so. I think it is like your last night drinking or your last day drinking. Like some people have really big, they call them the last drunks, you know, yeah. I, I didn't have that either. It just, I didn't know I was going to quit drinking the day I quit drinking. Right. So for you, you wake up and you're like, I guess this, you know, I'm not going to drink anymore. Like not this big did, monumental thing. And did you have any sort of, did you have any, had you found any online recovery group shed or any no, support no. at all? Nothing at that point. I had nothing. So the first mm. thing I did, so this is great. Yeah, I tell us. I go into work um, and, you know, I feel crap. I look mm. like crap. And uh, I got every time when I was hung over, I'd always get this scrambled eggs with cheese on a croissant at a Gatorade. And so. Right. Oh, yeah. That's me coming, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know this breakfast. Yeah. That's your medicine. Yeah. <laughs> it, oh, it felt so good to have all the grease and salt. Oh, perfect. So then, um, so I'm, I'm messing around my phone. I like to listen to podcasts, and I was a big fan of Serial and Criminal and, you know, a whole bunch of podcasts like that. So I was familiar with that. And so I start looking for alcohol-related ones. And the first one I find is Since Right Now. And I got to tell you, those guys, I fe- I credit them with the fact that that no drinking stuck so easily. Aww. They have like, I don't know, four or five years worth of podcasts on there. And I just listened straight through. I just kept mm-hmm. listening. I listened at home. I listened in the shower. I listened. I just kept listening. And what I love about them is there's two guys that are in, um, and the one guy wasn't in it the whole time, but there's two guys that are like in sort of the traditional 12 step program. There's one guy who was never in anything. Mm-hmm. And so just this idea and their irreverence and they make me bust out laughing. It's <laughs> a totally masculine way, right? You know, right. They, 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 they actually, cool. you're right. They make it look like fun. And yeah. I, they were one of the first podcasts I found as well. Oh, and they, they're how I found you guys. Mm-hmm. And then so, th- so they meet this one part of need for me. And then maybe three months in is when I found you guys. And I binge listened to all your shows, too, because I was like, oh, creative sober people. What? <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was just, you know, that that really changed things for me is just listening to people who are normal people and seem so accepting of everyone it just really changed things for me. I love that. That it's it's like I love hearing people's way in, right? Because I remember those early days too. And since right now, I mean, they they're, they helped us with this podcast, Chris, and he's been mm-hmm. on our show, Chris Aguirre, and he did our graphic design, um, and and just really helped us and mentored us and allowed us to share on his show. Um, so I love that. That's how you. That was your way in. He'll like to know that too. Yeah, I think he'll like I actually, he actually mentioned, I sent him an email a while back and he actually mentioned it on his show and I was like so proud like I was famous or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should, you should pitch yourself to go on his show. I bet you he would love to have you. Yeah. But yeah. right now they're not booking guests. They're just getting call-ins. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, they're having an interesting thing going on with their show, so he's changing it up. Well, I so that's the thing about um, yeah, this this thing that we do in the beginning, right? Like we're kind of thinking about not drinking. So you did a dry January, yeah, and then you find a podcast and you binge listen that, and you're like, okay, I'm not alone, right? Yeah. Then, like, how do I find my tribe? How do I find my people? And that's where you guys come in. Hmm. So I didn't have any online Facebook group until your Facebook group. Oh, okay. Oh, good. I didn't know that. And then actually from your Facebook group, I also have a, and I don't know, this might be like Fight Club. Maybe I'm not supposed to say this. (laughs) Let's find out. You found a few others, right? I have, yeah, I have a secret like gratitude list group, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's been great. So you, you started to foster and create what you needed. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what I think we're doing. We're kind of all like in the dark a little bit at the beginning of our journey. And slowly we start accumulating these things that help us kind of get through and connect us. And it is really interconnected, right? These secret Facebook groups um, for people who are um, seeking recovery, sober, sober, curious, like that was a really um, important component um, for me. And I know that you and I, and Sandra are um, part of the Recovery Gals Art Exchange, yes. which is also this private secret Facebook group um, that we make art for each other. And kind of, you know, I found that my way into recovery was um, art really helped to kind of carve out a little bit of time to do that. And so that's great. I don't work a full time job. I used to. Um, but I think when we when we decided to have you on and, and, and thinking like you have a full time job and yet I, what I've seen you do and create and your um, practices, I really admire and they really speak to me because I feel like we're a little bit like soul sisters, Beverly. I, I do yeah. feel that connection with you. And so I'm curious, how do you I mean, you work a full time job as a scientist. How do you. How do you make space for that in your day? And how do you prioritize that, I guess? for If somebody's out there listening that has a full-time job and like, oh, this is great, ladies, but I have, you know, three kids and a full-time job and I, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't have time to brush them. Lots of comments yeah. all yeah. the time, all the time. And really just quickly, it, just so that our listeners know what we're even speaking of, Beverly illustrates a beautiful gratitude list. And she posts it on Instagram, and we um, we will put her Instagram handle in the show notes. But she posts it on, posts it on Instagram every day, and it's gorgeous. Thank you. Well, that's all due to Tammy, actually, because um, so that yeah. So <laughs> okay, here's the thing with me is I am drawn to craft, and what I mean by that is the physical. Right. I want to have the paper and the paints in my hands. I want to have the pen. I want to make the funny letters. I want to do like I, I want to have the cloth in my hand. I want to like those things, the tactile feeling of that. That's what brings me into creativity. And so if I when I was just writing a gratitude list, when I was just writing it in my handwriting, it it, it was hard for that to stick because there wasn't any sort of uh there wasn't any fulfillment of that sort of physical craft to me. If that, I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense to me. It's the same reason I did it. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I make time for that in a couple of ways. Um, the first thing is, is that I, since I've been sober, get up pretty early in the morning. Um, I have always, I've been able to get up early in the morning for quite some time because I trained for a couple marathons. And so I needed to run early in the morning and I still do exercise most days of the week in the morning. Um, I know how much time it takes me to do my gratitude list. Um, I try to do the foundations for it ahead of time the night before, because I don't have time to wait for it to dry. Um, so I generally, I, there's two sides of the page, so I do both sides painting, and then I have two days worth that I can just fill in, you know, and one of the things that I love to do is do lettering. Um, I'm left-handed, and I remember when I was in first grade, Ronnie Burke, who was a really, really mean kid. Um, <laughs> Let's call him out. <laughs> yeah, he told me I have awful handwriting my whole life because I'm left-handed. So I've worked on my handwriting ever since then um so I do like to do that your handwriting is excellent yes it is it is excellent and I love that you (laughs) pardon me thank you Ronnie Burke (laughs) let's thank Ronnie Burke mean little Ronnie Burke um but my husband's a lefty and he prints and I think he prints really nicely but I think lefties have a, a thing right that they think that maybe their handwriting does it get smeared is that often what happens or oh, have that to... happens all the time if you look closely at my gratitude list you'll see little dots from my hand that happens all the time yeah but um, so, so it's absolutely beautiful and so when did you start doing the lists Beverly when did you start making them and sharing them oh I started making them after you were like I think when you, I I made them I started making them much more okay I started making them like maybe a few months before your your November thing, I think, is when you did the thing on Instagram. Yeah. Um, but not not super regularly. That's when I got into that gratitude group. So I started doing that. But once you put it on Instagram and other people were doing it, I wanted to be part of that community. And mm-hmm. so I decided to do it more often. And I really realized how much I liked it. So um, I just kept doing it. Yeah. And, and this the gratitude hashtag that I created was Tammy's gratitude tribe. And I Mm -hmm. think we have over, I haven't looked in like a week or so, but I think there's like 2,300 lists now. Yeah. At least. Yeah. That people have hashtagged. So if anybody's out there looking for inspiration or newly sober or not newly sober and just want to get into a practice or to get some ideas thinking like, how could I possibly, you know, make a list? You can get some ideas on what to be grateful for. And then also, yeah. if you want to illustrate it or do something, you can look at it on that hashtag. But your lists have really sparked a lot of people being curious about your process. Um, and that was the same for me. And to me, it's just like I just do whatever is around me or what mm-hmm. I feel like. How, how do you get inspired? How, where do you when you sit down at night to do those foundations? How does that come about? Well, a lot of times I get inspiration from um, pictures I find on Pinterest you know, I find, you know, other people's art that I like the, the way it looks. And so I try to do those and mostly it's just an inspiration, but sometimes I just try to copy them just to get the, you know, the feel of it. And if I try to copy it, I usually put who I copied, um, in there if, if it's known on there. Um, I, yeah, and I, I just, sometimes I just like to play and see how the paint mixes together. And sometimes it looks like crap and I just rip it out. But, um, 
most of the time it's acceptable to me. <laughs> I just use it. And do you I feel like that? Do you yeah, feel like I'm not that's a perfectionist? I'm sorry, Sandra. I didn't mean to talk. No, over I'm you. just saying I like that you're. Yeah, that you that you aren't a complete perfectionist. That you just you know go with it, and it's it's all a, all a learning. Yeah. Um, do you this gratitude? You have your own gratitude circle, right? Like an online. Yeah. And how many women are in that? You don't have to tell details, but how many women are in that? I think there's. There's less than 10 of us, I think. And have, have you felt like that practice of having a circle or having a community of people doing, um, sharing their gratitudes has helped your recovery? So much. Yeah. Because, because in, so even though the Unruffled is a secret Facebook group, right? It's, there's a lot of people in it. And this group is tiny and they're, it's more intimate. And I feel like I know these women, they're like my sisters, you know, and when some there, there's been a couple of pretty dramatic things that have happened to people in the group and people have felt safe to share those things. And I think it just really, I mean, it really makes you feel connected. We're actually going to try to get together this summer. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, and I really hope we can, um, you know, at least some of us, maybe not everybody can make it, but it would be really nice. Well, there's, um, there's a, a nice, um, kind of intimacy like we have our gratitude circle that I started with Sandra and some other ladies and it's been like you said you get to know people on a different level and I know some people have inquired like about doing or have sent me messages about could we do a big gratitude circle and it's just it can get overwhelming and I think it can get lost and I think the intimacy of a group of 10 is just about right like any bigger or any smaller you know it's it's um there's just an intimacy that you get to start to really know people through what they share and their struggles and their triumphs and all of that. So I'm so glad that you have a practice and that, that it's serving you. Yeah, you're right, Tammy. 10 around 10 does seem to be sort of the magic number because as you know, life will get in the way. Sometimes you don't post every day or, you know, and then that way, if a couple of people don't post a a particular day it's not just one per you know one or two people posting every time um you know there's always at least a, a handful yeah. yeah yeah it seems like the sweet spot there yeah around right. 10 um mm-hmm. so beverly also i mean there's so many things i want to um, i want to talk about but your penmanship i need to talk about that for a second more because okay. <laughs> i really love it um but you and i i was wondering i was trying to find all of your letters today because i at one point i had them all together but you and i have been pen pals yeah and i, was I tr- owe you a letter I, th- I was like i think you do <laughs> yeah yeah i owe you a letter it's been bugging me <laughs> i was like i was um i was getting them all out and i'm like do i owe her does she owe me i don't know i've lost track um but how long have we been doing this? I couldn't find my first one this morning. I just found the last few. It was when you posted the picture on Instagram with your at your post office and you had your address on there. Yeah. I'm like, well, I hope she really means it because I'm sending her a letter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I have to explain. And that's why I wish I had all of them here. I, I've bundled them and I must have creatively filed them away here in my studio. And I, anyhow, but these last two are good examples. But um, when you get a letter from Beverly, you get um, these beautiful handmade envelopes. 
that are just exquisite. And so you, and then your handwriting, and then the paper that you write them on has meaning. And then you watercolor on them. And then this one has a little picture of your um, journal that these pages were even cut from, right? I think you sent oh, me this. Oh, yeah. I had to cut them out because I filled up too much stuff on my trip to Italy, and it there was too much fate, like the book on pizza. <laughs> yeah, so she cut out those p pages and used them, and then she sent me a picture, a little tiny picture of the book that she cut them from that was her journal from when she traveled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, weird. yeah. No, it's not. It's lovely. And then you watercolor some of these pages, but your printing is just so, so beautiful. It should be a font. It's really beautiful. Thanks. And so they're like these little things. And then I don't always open them right away when I get them. I save them. Kind of like I do with Amanda Grace's letters when I used to get her letter pods. I'd save them for when I had a quiet moment, tea. I could really sit and be with them. Because it felt like a conversation that we were having. Um, yeah. So do you have any other pen pals, Beverly, or am I it? Well, I do write to my grandma. My Aww. grandmother is uh, 96 years old, and she lives um, north of you, Tammy. She lives um, in between Mount Lassen and Mount Shasta. Okay. She lives, it's a town called Pittville, but it's near MacArthur. It's about, uh, three, four three hours at least from Sacramento North, like in the middle, okay. almost in Oregon. I so. hiked, I summited Lassen and I, and did you say Shasta? And then I've, I've hiked Shasta. So I know around where okay. you're talking about. Yeah. It's beautiful up there. Mm -hmm. um, she's always kind of live and she lives on her own. Um, she, um, still mows her own yard because she said the kids in town don't do a good enough job. She's <laughs> just about as German as you can get. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I do write to her. We write back and forth a bit. Um, but that's it. Wow. Well, you are a wonderful pen pal, my friend. And um, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I'd put a little call out. A couple people wrote me and I wrote them back and I didn't hear back. But you were, you were the one that stuck. You stuck yeah. with me. So um, um, the other thing I wanted to ask. So so when you when you stop drinking you start doing these things Beverly you also signed up for the recovery gals art exchange that Sandra and I started um did that did you like doing that was that you know what was that process like for you making for yourself but then also giving it away yeah so the difference with that okay so that's where the because there's a theme with it and it's about people in recovery and stuff it has to move a little bit more into art from craft right there's a, there's a message in it you know and so, like that, the first one wasn't difficult for me. That was when I exchanged with you, Tammy. I got kind of hit the jackpot there. And then the second one. I got the jackpot there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, um, yeah. I got the second one, and that, um, that one came to me right away. And that worked out really well because um, I just used some imagery that was important to me. And I, when I gave it to my partner, had no idea that it was like actually really emotionally important to her, the imagery I used. Um, Can you share what that is? Can you share with the listeners so they know what we're talking about? Because it's yeah. exquisite. So I made, I did embroidery. It was actually my first embroidery project. And I have a, a fairly substantial size um, butterfly tattoo on my shoulder. And it's got a DNA helix in it. And, you know, it's all symbolic and everything. So I took a picture of that and I traced it onto... Um, to some cloth and then I embroidered that and I made it into a pillow and I put a 
it, the theme was metamorphosis, so you know, butterflies kind of on the nose. But anyways, I put a quote on there and everything in my handwriting, and I and I made a pillow. So I sent it to her, and it turns out that she actually had a child die, a baby, mm. and when they see butterflies, they say it's their daughter visiting. Aww. So it was really emotional for her to get something with a butterfly that she mm-hmm. can have like a pillow in her couch, you know? So I was like, that was really great. I mean, that was, that was a great experience. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so this last one, this wonder has me kind of stumped, but I think I figured out what I'm going to (laughs) do. Sandra, can you tell our listeners what we're talking about? I realize I probably should have done that at the top there. About oh, about the Recovery Gals Art Exchange. Yeah, yeah, just to um, give some context. Uh, yeah, this is something you and I started. Um, gosh, a year and a half ago, right? Is I that think so. Right? Yeah. Yeah, where um, we, uh, w- you and I, come up with a theme, and um, we uh, we. We have accrued quite a group, actually. We put a call out right before, um, or right when we finish up uh, an exchange. We put out a call, a call for the for the next one. The exchanges happen on the solstices and equinoxes, so four times a year. And um, we, uh, you and I, choose a theme, and we collect uh, volunteers, names, participants, and we draw names and pair everyone up and um the instructions are to make a piece of art uh based on the theme and you can interpret the theme as loosely or as precise as you would like and art equals anything artistic um anything that you can either snail mail or email so in the past we've had um of course you know, graphic art, we've had uh, visual art, we've had um, quilts and photographs and songs and poetry and uh, collage. Um, And uh, it's so fun to watch. Um, And did I leave anything else? I was just trying to think, but no, I think that's all of it. Yeah, yeah. So right now we are working on the summer art exchange, uh, which will happen June twentieth around there. Somewhere right? around there, yeah. Yeah, and um, shortly after we we do that exchange, then we'll announce the we'll put a call out for the for the for the fall um, exchange, and start collecting names from there for that one. Yeah, and if anybody wants to see kind of a sample of what that work is like there's a hashtag on instagram called recovery gals art exchange and it's g-a-l-s recovery gals art exchange and you'll see i think there's a 120 posts or so so you can see how people have interpreted the themes but beverly exchanging with you is just lovely and that water bottle you sent me or the, the theme was healing and you knitted me a cover for a water bottle and can you can you share with our listeners the symbolism of that knitting and um... yeah? So first of all, that probably my my primary um, creative pursuit is knitting. Um, that's what I love to do. It's what I do every single day. I knit. Um, it's great. You can knit while you watch football. You can you know 
Um, that's, that's my favorite thing. But, um, so I remember when I was a little girl and I went to my grandma's house one time and I got my period and my grandma gave me a hot water bottle to feel better. And it really did work. It really did help me feel better. And it was one of those old fashioned kinds like the the one I gave to you. Mm -hmm. And so when the, when the healing came up, you know, I'm having, I'm having kind of a resurgence of my relationship with my grandma. And so like that kind of came up in my mind. And so I, I made a, you know, I designed the, the cover for it. That was the first time I ever figured out how many stitches and all that to do my own. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was, that was also another really good one. You seem pretty fearless about trying new things. I am. Is that just always been how you are? Yes. I mean, everything from quitting drinking from everything, just, you know, going back to school and um, getting your PhD at 43, like a pretty fearless moving. Did you, were you raised in Alaska or did you just live in Alaska? No, uh, no that was actually, you know, some of the things I do are fearless to the point of being like, <laughs> <laughs> so when I first went to Alaska, okay, I want you to imagine this because you guys have kids that are approaching this age. I was 20 and I decided that I was going to go to Alaska and work for the summer. So I, was li- I, I went to college in San Francisco, and I, um, I drove from college in a car with a blown head gasket that I had to stop and put antifreeze in all the time, and like old tires and everything. It's one of those 1977 Honda Civic. It looks like a bubble car, you know? Mm-hmm. It had, like, you still had to pull off the choke to get it started, you know, old-fashioned style. So I leave, my dad, my, my dad comes to visit me beforehand and he checks out this car and he says, listen, just don't, don't pack too much stuff because you might have to hitch. <laughs> so I was not operating with everything that, that could be had, but I went up there and can you imagine your kid does this? There's no cell phones. All right. Right. I'm driving, you know, on these roads where no, and I, oh, I'm camping every night too. And driving completely by myself. And I just think, God, my mother must have been terrified. My dad thought it was cool. My mother was terrified. Um, But I loved it. I just, I love going on an adventure. Mm, Yeah, I did a few of those adventures around that age, too. And um, I'm very nostalgic about those kind of adventures. You can't have that kind of adventure anymore, really, because we're just so connected. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah. So well, what- you know, I'm going to make a sweeping um, generalization, but I just want to, before we get away from it, I just want to put a fine point on this. You are a scientist, and you are so creative. And... And I'm just putting a point on that because we have so many women that are that always say, I don't have a creative bone in my body. I, I am not creative. But you are a scientist and you are this creative. Again, a very, very sweeping generalization. But I think that there's a point to be made there that um, you, 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 we all have... We all have, we are all creative. We all have it within us. We create different things though, right? And like sometimes. Exactly. And maybe that's why you're drawn to knitting. I mean, do you like math? Is, is, 
are you str- strong in that? What I like about knitting, um, I, <laughs> I like t- turning this. Yes, it's three dimensional, but it's essentially a two dimensional thing into a three dimensional object, right? Like I love that. Um, I was dating a guy at one point who was fascinated when I would knit, and he's like, "It's just this series of really intricate knots," and I thought, "Wow, it kind of is, yeah." So I love, I love doing that. And it's also very meditative, especially on a big sweater or something where you've got like 5,000 miles of stockinette. You definitely, you know, get some time to, to your own thoughts. But I also would like to put a little point on the fact that science itself is incredibly creative. I agree. It's, you have to come up with experiments. You have to interpret those experiments. You have to think on all sides of your brain to be a scientist. And I think in the past, people think scientists can't really open their minds. They're just rigid on these things. But maybe maybe if you were a chemist and you were just mixing certain solutions all day long, you, would, you wouldn't have that creativity in your job. But I think people who work in science for the most part who are doing experiments definitely are creative people. Hey Unruffled listeners, Tammy here. Just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. If you like what you've been hearing, we're asking for a donation of just $1 per episode. $4 a month. To donate, please go to www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. So, um... There's so many things I want to talk about still. <laughs> okay, let's dig into this. Um, you, again, I feel like you're a kindred spirit of mine. So you have put together an in real life sober meetup. What prompted you with other ladies that were in recovery that did, that you met online? Is that right? Yeah. What prompted that? Yeah, so that was some people who had, uh, it was in the another secret Facebook group. Um, and the women had, there was a lot in DC and Baltimore. And so we decided to like put something together. And, um, I have a home that's easy to park at. It's easy to get to off the free, you know, like I have one of those places. It's easy for people to meet up at. Um, and so I offered my house. And so I think like four or five people maybe came, um, which was really cool. It was really cool. Um, and most of them, all of them are in our group as well. Did that, having that in real life connection, can you share? Cause I know some of our listeners are still craving that, right? Or they're, they don't have that and we're, we're doing all well, this stuff online, but can you, can you tell how that in real life, you know, was different or did it change anything for you or solidify anything? I really wish that I could do that more often. Mm-hmm. It was just so nice to be with. I mean, and, and they're just the same as they are online in that they, you know, talk about ideas and, you know, and and ways of being and, and not about other people. And, you know, just really having exciting conversations with people, exciting to me anyways, about just dealing with life and, and, and ideas for art and how th- they want to change up their lives and, you know, things like that are, it's, it's so enjoyable. Um, I have friends here that I'm still ha- very, very happy to spend time with, definitely. 
Um, but I don't really have like a sober bestie. And I think that would be so, so nice to have. Um, it would just, you know, I have friends that, that are very understanding that, you know, we talk about things, but it's different, you know? Oh, Mm -hmm. we know. I feel like you have a common goal, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's like steeped in a foundation. There's just you can kind of get to get to things pretty quickly. I find with women that are in recovery, um, yeah. in a way that I I don't know that I allowed myself. It's not the other woman's fault, but with my friends who are normal drinkers, I, I it's a little bit harder to get to that place. It takes a lot longer, and so it's pretty exciting when you meet someone in real life that's sober and you kind of just get to the heart of things or get to the nitty gritty and it's and and have different very very different conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, Do you have a sober community um, where you live that you're part of? Well, you know, at about... I can't remember exactly when I started. I went to AA for a while. Or, I don't know if you're supposed to say that. but You can say whatever you want. (laughs) Um, I never know about these things, you know. But, you know, it was... I went about once a week and, um, I, I think it's, I think it's a difficult situation for me because number one, I'm a non-believer. I know, and I had in my mind, and you know, you gave me some good advice, Tammy, and thinking of like higher power as my, basically my conscience, my higher self, you know, the, the, the part of me that says, you know, if, like Eckhart Tolle says, if, if he's saying to himself, I hate myself, who am I in that statement, you know? Who's mm-hmm. the eye that's hating himself? And so there is a part of you that knows better all the time your whole life. Mm-hmm. And so you can you can think of a higher power that way. Okay, that's fine. But it, it, it does require a lot of letting stuff go when you're at at least the meetings that I've been to. Um, and I really went to try to make sober friends. And I don't know. I think I would have had to put more effort in if I was going to meet any like there just wasn't people that were sort of I didn't find I should say this I personally didn't find people that were in a similar path that I wanted to pursue more time with um I like going to the meetings I do and I still go back occasionally I should I should go back for my one year um but I also think that my experience is different than theirs and I'm not trying to say I'm some kind of unicorn. I'm not, I'm, I'm have the experience of a lot of people. It's just not the same as the most of the people in the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's a beautiful compliment to my recovery because I do a lot of other things. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah. But yeah, community, I, I initially, I think, um, it's, it's hard in the beginning because we don't know what we're doing, right? Right at the very, very beginning when we're, like, yeah. going, like, what, what's, what's happening? Um, and I even look at it different. I bowled my head off. Oh, yeah. That was so embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> All the feelings rose up. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that um, if people are looking for community, you know, not that it's going to be com- immediately found um, in the rooms of AA, Um but there's a greater chance of bumping into somebody sober at a meeting, right? Than maybe, yeah, than outside of the room. So, so, but I like that you're open to give that a try though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What I found, Beverly, is if 
you know, if, if social anxiety or, you know, feeling um, comfortable in a group of people, if that was your problem before you were sober, then it still can be your problem. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I, I relate to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no matter, no matter, even if you are in a room full of sober people, if you, you know, if you have, if you have a hard time identifying in a group setting, um, you know, you still, it's still a thing. Yeah. I didn't have so much problems with that actually. And I, and I did enjoy the meetings. They were tricky for me to get to because, um, I guess I had other things that I wanted to do at that time. Um, I didn't get enough out of it to be worth putting something else behind, right? I have to make choices with, um, the one thing about having the full-time job is I do have to choose what I'm doing in my my time, my free time. And so that kind of, the way it was situated took, you know, it took basically, you know, a morning, um, from me. And I do a lot of creative stuff in the morning and I also exercise in the morning, but I could skip the exercise, (laughs) um, for, you know, once a week was, was enough. Um, I think that, you know, the group that I was in was also, I think, very, uh, tolerant of me. I think they didn't, uh, I don't identify as an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic. And so I don't say I'm an alcoholic in the meeting. So they probably are a little squirrely about that because they kind of look at me funny when I'm just introduced by my name. But, um, I think that, uh, it's okay. I, I'm not going to say something just to make somebody else happy, but that, that actually never bothered me. I I don't mind going away from, I I don't have a problem feeling bad about myself because I'm not conforming. Mm -hmm. Which is key, which I think is, is a really big part when you go to those meetings. Um, If you can just say what's true, right. And not feel like you have to conform. I feel like we've been, for me, I'll just speak for myself. I feel like I've been a faker my whole life. So to go in those rooms and have to fake that I was something in the beginning, I couldn't do that. I couldn't fake that I believed in God. I couldn't fake and say that I was an alcoholic because I didn't think it. Uh But I could say those things there and that felt pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and then nobody said anything. Nobody ever said anything to me. Right. And that felt kind of magical. (laughs) And I didn't really believe in magic. So I was like, the whole thing was just... It was just like an experiment. You're talking about experiments. It, it was an experiment. Yeah. And it still is, actually. You know? So, Tammy, what you talk about, too, about feeling like you've been a faker your whole life. There was what I found, and I don't think I felt like a faker, um, but I am realizing now that I'm not drinking. I'm looking at things that I want to do. And... Like, for example, I used to love to have parties at my house. Mm-hmm. And um, so clean up my house, you know. But then what I really loved was drinking with my friends, okay? Because I'll tell you now, when I have a party at my house, I spend most of the time that people are there wondering when the people are going to get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> Same. You are not alone, my friend. <laughs> like... Having all those people at your house, you're just like, um, I hope they don't mess up any of my yarn down there. <laughs> I, hope they don't, I hope those kids don't get into my art supplies, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I, when the pool opens, I don't mind having them because I can send them outside, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I'm learning now more 
that I don't really feel like going out and, you know, I think when I stopped drinking, I thought, well, I'm just going to do everything the same and just not drink. Right. I had, yeah. So how, yeah, to share, how, how has that changed? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll go out and like go with the people and then they're all drinking and I'm just having soda, right? And then, of course, the very first time you realize that drunk people are totally boring and they're just saying the same things. And it's it's really not fun to sit on a bar stool all night long. Like you have to have the alcohol. The alcohol is what allows you to sit on a bar stool for six hours. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Well, yeah. Boring. So, um, you know, then I was like, oh, okay, so this isn't fun for me. So then I realized what is fun for me is doing all these creative things. So I had a a lot more time once I stopped drinking. And I used to be creative too when I would drink. But I'll tell you what, it's gotten a little bit more productive because I don't have to rip out half of what I knit the night before. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, there's supposed to be 64 stitches here, not 57. You know, I dropped seven of them along the way. Yeah. So, um, so you, you, you filled a void, you're filling a void, right. With your, um, with your creativity now. Yes. And when I choose to watch television, I'm not just sitting there watching television. I'm doing something creative because I want to make sure for me, it feels something in me to do things, creative things. I think that that's, um, Same for me, Beverly. Absolutely the same for me. And when I, it's almost like I couldn't get enough in the in the beginning. Like that empty time. um, And I imagine for other people, um, this is probably will resonate. But there's all of these hours that we need to fill that we used to just. I used to, you know, create menus and and grocery lists and go do the errands to enable me to have this party to over drink and over serve everyone. There were a lot of hours to fill. And so when that void is created, you know, how are we filling it back up? And same with you. Like I wanted to be not wasting a minute, not, I felt like I wasted so much time. And at my age, when I got sober, I didn't want to waste another minute. I mean, I was 44 and I felt like, like, let's get going. And I still feel that way when I wake up, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like from the time I wake up, my brain is going and I want to do all the things. What about you, Sandra? You saying? Uh, yeah, no, right. Yeah, no. I, I know we're the same. Last year, I've had to really slow my roll a little bit. <laughs> I will. I will work until I'm yeah completely depleted. But um, no, what I was going to say, going back to the going back to the the need to feel social. I think when we get sober too, we have to redefine a lot of things. Like you were saying, um, you do feel the need to be social or have a have a circle of people, have people that you can identify with, but you don't want to have the big parties at your house anymore. Aww. So it's almost like we have to redefine things. You know, what actually sounds more fun? You know, we have to ask ourselves these questions because to me, you know, like, I, uh, yeah, I don't really want to have the big parties anymore either. But what does sound fun is to surround myself with, you know, about five women where we're all like working on something creative. <laughs> sort of like yes. parallel play you know when you used to have yes. you can come to my house and play anytime <laughs> you used to watch your kids 
parallel play when they were toddlers, you know, and they wouldn't play with each other, but they would just be working quietly on their thing, but they would be right next to each other. See, I that to me sounds, sounds way more fun. And so we just, you know, we just have to redefine these things and see, you know, and just keep trying things until we find so I, something that really makes sense and really feels good. And and the great thing is, is there's there's a lot of things that I have done before and like to do that I can still share with some of my drinking friends. For example, um, we have a lot of companies here that do that stand up paddling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same in Austin. Mm-hmm. And so they have a Friday one that's at sunrise. And so my friend, I have a really dear friend that we were, you know, we were good good drinking buddies with each other. And we're friends beyond that. But um, I don't see as much of her because we do different things in our evenings. But we can both do that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so lovely to, to go out and do that. Um, I like to do kayaking. I like to go camping. I like... Oh, my running group. So we do a lot of things um, with my running group that aren't drinking, like mm-hmm. running. And, um, you know, at the end of it, sometimes there's people drinking or whatever, and I can go home or I can stay or whatever. Um, but always the great thing with the running group is there's always somebody who's training for something serious, and so they're not drinking. Right. So it's not weird for somebody to be drinking water in this group. You know, it's, you know, now they're... You, Whereas maybe I thought that every single person was always drinking in those groups, but now I see, oh yeah, this one only drinks one drink ever, you know, and she doesn't even finish it all. I'll hang out with her, you know? Um, yeah, because you yeah. can't see that when you're drinking for some reason. Right. Or if you see it, you're like, I'm not hanging out with her. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, I don't want to talk to her after a couple of drinks because I know I'm going to sound like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I definitely, um, I definitely need social interaction, but less than I needed before. And I think that I, I think a lot of my social pursuits before of organizing people to have a wine night or whatever, all these kind of things, it wasn't, it wasn't just to drink because I could do that on my own. It was like, I felt like I would lose a community if I didn't plan these things or something and that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have people or something. And I don't go into social situations with so much expectation anymore. Mm, Yeah, that's a good point. Like I go in and it's like, okay, this is fun or this sucks and I'm leaving, you know, (laughs) like it doesn't have to be a big deal. Yeah. You have a choice and you're not making it dramatic. Yeah. That first year was hard for me. You sound very level and very, um, you know, you have a good sense of yourself too, Beverly. I was a little adrift and lost that first year. It was very um, hard. I think I've gone all over the place with it. Hmm. Well, so yeah, so I wanted to ask what, um, I have have actually a couple of questions. So your, um, your mom, Uh two kids, do you feel like your mothering has changed um, since you've been sober? It has, it has so much. Mm, Share, share what way? Oh my gosh. Oh man. I... Well, and just to clarify real quick, your kids are grown and, and. Well, my oh. son is still in the house. My son. Okay. Is, got it. My, got it. Well, after they're both in the house right now, but, um, so my son is, is, uh, 17. He's in high school. He's junior. Okay. So got it. My right. daughter graduated from college, uh, last year 
and she's been living with her dad this year, kind of getting on her feet, doing some, you know, small jobs and stuff. And now she finally, she well, finally, she just got her first real, like she got a copy editor job for a magazine. Hmm. Nice. Very and cool. And it's a real job with a real salary and everything. And so she's living with me for like a month until she moves into her new apartment. And actually, we just had this huge thing two days ago yeah two days ago on her way into work it was the first day she had to be there at nine o'clock she calls me on her way in and she has two flat tires oh ran over baby her baltimore pothole she's like mom what do i do and um i'm like all right i'm coming get you so I can't, I, it, luckily it wasn't too difficult for me to get there. I get her. I mean, I'm late for work, but that doesn't matter because, you know, she needs to be on time, not me. So we situate her car and everything. Anyways, I'm not going to tell the whole story because it's really a uh, complicated story. But it turns out that when the guy came, w- she called for the roadside assistance to come. It ended up taking four hours for them to get there. Oh. So she's sitting there and... She's in a location where I feel okay about her being there while it's light. But then when it got dark, so I went over. And the two of us, you know, we laughed and had a good time. And I just think how much that would have all been about me if I was Mm. about how it ruined my evening. And, you know, I would have had to come home and definitely have a glass of wine because, oh, my God, I had to sit there with her. But we were really laughing our heads off at things and making jokes and I was connecting to my daughter that I haven't seen in a while, you know, or haven't had living with me in a while. And so that's just a perfect example of how I became grateful for that situation. Mm. And when I was not drinking, I would not have been. Yeah. And, and when and, I, was, I would not have been. And that probably shows itself. I mean, that's one example, but I'm sure there's so many like that just that we get to be fully present for. Yes. Right. We're just more attentive and not constantly tripping to the, the a future moment. Yeah. yeah. I like you would have just been sitting there just totally tripping to the future of when I could, you know, pour wine down my throat. Did not. We found out it was going to be 80 minutes until he got there. I probably would have driven over to a bar and got a drink. Right. Yeah. I mean, probably would have I mean that's embarrassing but I probably would have yeah um and one thing the other thing is with my son now um one time he got in trouble because some people were at the house and they were drinking and I asked him about it after and I said why did you do that and he said I just thought that would be how you have a good time Hmm. (sighs) I taught him that right yeah, Every time yeah. I have a good time with my friends, we're drinking alcohol. Right. Yeah. I mean, because that that's exactly what you're modeling for your children when you're drinking is that that's what is necessary to have a good time. If that's the only time you have, you know, you're showing them that you're having a good time. It's when yeah. there's alcohol around. So I had to change that up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's. I feel a lot better about the fact that now he's seeing his mom have a good time without alcohol. Mm -hmm. Did that prompt a conversation? Yeah. Yeah. He and I, he and I can talk pretty easily and, um, 
and we did talk about that and you know and I did say you know I think it maybe seems like that because that's you know that's what I've shown you in the past by having all my friends come over and drinking but and then you know I did bring up sometimes that we had a good time without drinking and right and then I also laid into him like hey you know if one of your kids friends cracks her head on, my, on the swimming pool I'm lose his house <laughs> you know those yeah. kind of things consequence things as well but I definitely did um it it definitely made me realize oh man that is exactly what I've been teaching him mm-hmm. yeah I, because we can tell our kids all day long don't do this don't do that but they are they're watching us it's we're we're they're 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 mimicking what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I, I couldn't even think about this before, even though I should have, and intellectually I would know that. But um, I felt like I was outside of the, I was an exception, I guess, I thought. Or, um, well, I'll just explain it. Or, you know, I didn't think about how I was modeling for him what he sh- what he would be doing. And yeah. and And now that he's in high school... And I know that these things are going to start happening. Yeah, I feel better to at least have a clear mind and to talk from a place that's not making me look like a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. You know, so I definitely would have been a big old hypocrite and I'm sure he wouldn't have liked that very much. Um, but yeah, I feel I feel I feel like mother motherhood for all of us just just kind of opens up in a way. I mean, it's hard, right? It's hard being a mom. Not always, but just there are times where that's really challenging, and a drink really took that edge off. Mm-hmm. But no, no, um, got to find a different way now. <laughs> yeah, right. Find a different way now. Um, so I want to ask you too, and you may or may not want to talk about this, so please feel free to say. But um, are you dating in sobriety? Oh. And how's um, that? If you are. Um, I haven't really approached that. I am, um, so I was, I had a boyfriend when I first got sober and we are still friends. This is, this is my MO. I stay friends with all exes, you know, (laughs) (laughs) um, my running partner was a, a boyfriend from college who happens to also live. He went to Santa Cruz and I went to San Francisco and he lives in Baltimore and we run together. Um, my ex-husband and I are very, very, um, amicable um and so now Zane who was um who was my boyfriend before is my close friend and he comes over with his son too but I have not you know I'm not I'm not really in a position where I'm ready to date Mm -hmm. um I I've noticed some patterns in my dating that I think were uh not not good patterns and maybe driven a little bit by the frequency of my drinking. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm still trying to get to the bottom of that because um, I I have to – I think I have a, a little bit of a worthiness issue that I have to get past um, so that – but, that, you know, that's, that's maybe boring. I don't know. <laughs> not boring. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I'm not really interested in looking right yet. Yeah. I'm going to do work first. Yeah, and I don't mean to put you on the spot like that. I just meant, I know that there's people, again, there's listeners out there that we get these questions. And um, I'm married, and so is Sandra, so it's, you know, 
I'm just curious how that might be. Because I, I think about it, I'm going like, that would be really hard. And yeah. I, so I'm not dating period. In, right. <laughs> you know, mid life would be hard. Well, just I will tell period. you one thing, though. I'll tell you one thing. I went, I, before, before I met Zane, I had done match.com. Actually, that's how I met Zane. And I had gone out on a few dates and I had drank during those dates. And there was a couple of situations where I, it, it was, it was a little risky for me actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see now like, Hey, at least I know I'll be sober on these. If I do date that I can, you know, take care of myself better. Um, yeah. and I'm actually, you know, I don't know how feasible this is, but I would really love to find another sober person. So yeah, I think it's feasible. I think you're going to well, manifest that, Beverly. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. Gonna make that happen. Well, I'm in a good position because I really don't feel like I, I, I'm not, I'm not lonely. I mm-hmm. haven't been. I don't really get lonely, which is well, it, yeah. When you're looking for something out of desperation, is when you start settling for things that you know are below the standard that you that you have set up for yourself. So, right. yeah. So yeah. So now I just I I, I have to actually figure out what I want. Because you can't get it if you don't know what it is. Right. Right. Wow. It's kind of exciting, actually. Yeah. Right? You get to think about that and think about that in a way that that is new and fresh and maybe not what you've thought about your whole life. Yeah. I like, yeah. I mean, I'm... Go ahead. No, I'm saying I'm married. I'm obviously not dating. I mean, secretly dating Rich Roll, but he doesn't even know it. But I think about, yeah, if, 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 um, if I were a single lady... And sober, um, it would be very attractive to date somebody else that was sober, I think, to kind of remove that kind of level. Although, you know, there's all these other things that you'd want in a human being, not just that. But um, because there's plenty of guys in the AA meeting that I have no interest in. Right. (laughs) Right. But it would just be like this really great perk, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The other thing is that um, because I am uh, sober, I am able to afford to have this house on my own um, without anybody else paying for it. You know, this is because I was spending, even though it wasn't even, it's amazing when you added up the money. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was like, how is that possible? I didn't even drink every day. And like, but you know, if you have in there one day a week where you go out for cocktails, oh my God, those cocktails are like over $10 each. So, Mm No wonder it averaged out to ten dollars a day that I was drinking. So, yes. and the food that you have to eat before and after, and you know, so spending your evening in a bar, you're going to eat food there. You're going to, mm-hmm. yeah. And now, I mean, I've always, I was married for seventeen years, and ever, ever since then, I mean, I've always cooked every day. Like I, that's how I. That's what I do. Um, I don't particularly like going out. I'll go out. Uh, if we go out to, uh, I don't like chain restaurants. I don't like, um, I, I go out sometimes, but I really like to cook food at home. And so uh, that saves tons of money. And, um, and another creative act. Yes, mm-hmm. right. And and I have more money for craft supplies. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, because all that adds up. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you maybe to um, 
I think we're nearing the end of our time, but just like, do you have some advice, Beverly? Um, you know, general advice to other women who, who might want to start, start a creative practice. Like, would you, is there a place that you would, could recommend for them to jump in or to be inspired by? I know we're going to get to your tools. So if those are one and the same, let me know, but just well, one of them is part of my creative tool. Okay. Um, but aside from that, um, the, I think that people should start with what they like. Right. And, um, you know, you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be good at something to do it. Um, you can, and don't, don't buy like artist quality of things when you first start something, because if you hate it, you just throw it away, <laughs> whatever, you know, you don't have to do it anymore, but don't, um, but I think that, you know, just being open to trying things, I've always been happy to try things that I'm not good at. Um, and that's why I have a lot of creative pursuits because I'm actually only good at like a couple of them. And the other things I just do because I like to play with the things. Same, same. And, and I also like to try things that, that, um, and, to, and then to figure out like, oh, that's not for me. You know, right. like like embroidery. I took this beautiful embroidery class from this artist, Lisa Solomon. I love what Sandra does. I love what you have done. Um, it's not for me. And I thought it really would be. And I really wanted it to be. <laughs> um, but when I went through the actual process, you know, I figured out that that wasn't for me. But I tried, you know, and I enjoyed that. And same with letterpress. Just wasn't for me. Um, too tiny of letters. Um, I really appreciate it. But, um, but I think kind of that curiosity mm-hmm. is so important. And it sounds like you have a lot of it. Yeah. Well, and the fact that you can take any online class, you can YouTube any technique. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a, an amazing world we live in now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it sounds like your mornings are your, is your creative time. That's kind of for me, too. Um, I have, that's when I have the most uh, bandwidth. But and it sounds like you do things at night, though, too. The knitting and the foundations for your list the next day, right? You just you make that a priority. It's part of your night. Yeah, the, um, yeah, I don't, so I'm not rigid about any of these things. I, I don't feel compelled that I have to get this done. Um, if it's not coming, it's not coming. I'm just not going to do it. Um, I do a lot of creative things because that's what I like to do. So for me, it's not a big effort to carve out time because the, the time that I have that I would just be sitting on the couch watching television, I will knit while I sit on the couch and watch television because I love to watch this beautiful thing emerge from that. Um, so I think that's one of the great things about just being a crafty, creative person and not somebody who's making, who, you know, who needs to make a living off of their art because um, I don't have to do any of it, you know. Mm-hmm. I just do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I like that. I think yeah. that's a good place to stop. Let's talk about your toolbox, though. Okay. So, you know this part of the show, right? Yes, I've been making my toolbox since I first <laughs> Well, for our listeners who maybe are just tuning in for the first time, maybe welcome. And um, this is the part of the show where we ask our guests to share um, three tools that they put, and we call it the Unruffled Toolbox. And it's basically tools that either help them with their sobriety recovery um uh, and creativity 
any of those things so that help you um, that somebody else might find useful. All right, Beverly, let's hear it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So um, the first one that I want to talk about, I guess it, I should talk about um, to do with the creativity is um, the creative bug website. Um, so I signed up for like a year membership, which I think is less than a hundred bucks, but you can do like monthly for like seven ninety nine, and you have access to the whole, all of their classes that they have on there. And for people who are like me, who love the craft and want to learn a skill of it, you know, like what I want to do is be able to create something that is either functional or, or beautiful using learning a skill that I can, you know, learn step by step. And that's what, that's what this creative bug is all about. And there's stuff I've done stuff with, um, Lisa Congdon has a lot of stuff on there. Um, there's other people who do like watercolor stuff in there. There's, uh, knitting, there's embroidery, there's everything on there. Um, and it's, I think pretty reasonably priced, um, to, you know, allow me to pursue whatever kind of crafty stuff I want. I love that site. That was my way into about four years ago. So I took classes from Lisa Congdon and I loved it. And one of our former guests, um, Beverly, is a teacher on there, Ashley Nichols. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's a teacher. Um, She does um, these beautiful art quilts. Oh, wow. And she dyes her fabric. Yeah. Well, she she watercolors her fabric, too. So you might definitely want to check out her work and her past episode. Yeah. So she's she's a teacher on that site. I definitely just wrote that down. It was quilting. So there you go. Um, very good. So that, that website is important to me. Um, and the next one is sort of, um, is podcasts in general. But, um, like I said, since right now, definitely got me into the world of sobriety podcasts. And, um, I just, um, I, I feel like, you know, I know those guys, I feel like I know you guys and, um, there's, there's a few others that I, that I really, really enjoy listening to. And I think that that can, the abundance of the material that's available for you to listen to, you can listen to whole stories. Um, even the home podcast that no longer is, there's, I don't know, four years of that maybe, um, available to listen to. Um, and there's ones for different ages, like, you know, uh, not really for different ages, but seem more appropriate for different ages. I think people at different phases of their life will like them. And if you don't like one of them, try another one. Cause there's so many out there now. Um, of course you guys have the best one, but, um, Aww, <laughs> thanks for saying so. <laughs> lots of great ones out there. Yeah. That's a great tool. I agreed. Yep. I agree. All right, so my last one, and this is kind of a, this is kind of a funny one. It came out of, I've been writing this article that I've been playing around with for a long time, and the article is called "The Problem Is More," and, and it really is for me because as soon as I stopped drinking, I started eating ice cream again, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that there are people who just drop alcohol and then everything goes oh that's all I had to drop and then there's people who drop alcohol and they find ah I can use this to feel good or I can use that or you know they start you know 
as people will say, playing whack-a-mole with, with problems. Um, I'm lucky that the seri most serious one for me is alcohol, and I don't have, you know, putting on 10 pounds is not a big deal compared to, to alcohol. But then I find myself doing things like, you know, like I use watercolors to paint these backgrounds of my, um, of my uh, gratitude list, but I have um, five different sets of watercolors. I, I see no problem with that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't feel like that's more of it. No, that's I totally normal. <laughs> yarn I have over here, you know, like I don't know. So what does that mean? So when I thought about that... It I means, thought, yeah, if one is is good, then five must be better. That's what it means. It's just like, we, that's how we are. <laughs> so what I've... And it bothered me for a while. It's like, I'm just going to always be, like, addicted to everything. You know, like, everything good, I'm going to ruin. So <laughs> I, I put a little perspective on it, um, and I realized that what I need to focus on is harm reduction. Mm -hmm. So I have a bottom line that I won't drink, okay? And um, if, I want, if, if I felt like I was going to drink, eating a bag of chips is acceptable because that's less harm than drinking, right? And if I was feeling better and I was like, oh, man, I'm just going to binge out on this food – then maybe spending two hours social media doing nothing is acceptable. You know, basically choosing a lesser thing that will, you know, at some point I need some comfort or something. And then sometimes I'm really good and I can just sit in discomfort. Mm -hmm. And that's where I want to get to. But if I'm not there that night, I can gracefully and without any judgment on myself say, you're doing better than if you'd done this. So, just, just accept where you are right now. Hmm. I like that. I like that. I like the way you explain that too. Um, mm -hmm. That's true. You have to give give yourself a break every once in a while, and sometimes, yeah, with all this self examination and kind of looking at our lives and looking at the past and this can be exhausting. And it's just, it's just like I think that phrase. Sometimes people don't like it, like do the next right thing. And, yes. But just to do the next thing, just do the next thing that's not as harmful as the thing you were thinking about doing. But I think that's very helpful. It's going to be really helpful for people to hear. Oh, thank you so much, Beverly. Yeah, um, that, Beverly. The website you mentioned is creativebug.com. Mm -hmm. And the podcast is the Sense Right Now podcast. And people can find that wherever they find their podcasts. Um, Chris Aguirre was also on our show. As he was approaching his 20-year sober mark um i think last september so people can find that too are you done writing that article about more <laughs> no i gotta put i gotta give, give it a look it's written it just has to be revised in a way that i don't know will you share it on the unruffled facebook page when you sure do that well yeah. no pressure yeah. and these things you're writing you're posting these on your blog correct yes periodically okay and which is, we'll put a link in the show notes, but it's weeds to wildflowers.com. Yes. So that comes from, uh, you know, a, a couple of different places. Um, so, Sandra, you were a restaurant worker, weren't you? Oh, yeah. So, you know, when you're in the weeds. Mm, um, right. Yeah. So that's, I still say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say that at work, too. I'm like, leave me yeah. the weeds. Yeah. Um, and that, so for people who aren't restaurant workers, being in the weeds means you're kind of screwed with how much stuff you have to do and 
in a quick time. You're in and over I, your head. <laughs> yeah. And you're having to like, you're, you're, you're just feeling the pressure. And that's sort of how I was feeling in, in my drinking years was in, in the weeds. Couldn't get it all done. Like mm. calling the dentist, screw that. That's too much. So then the other part of it, the wildflowers, um, there was a, there's a, a, a saying about, you know, the difference between weeds and wildflowers is perspective or the difference in weeds and wildflowers is where it's planted. And um, I really feel like, you know, the beauty of a weed can be seen if it's, you know, if you see a field full of dandelions, you think it's beautiful. But when you see five of them in your yard, you're like, God damn it. You know, um, so I just feel like I am planting myself somewhere appropriate now. Mm-hmm. And those weedy things about me are just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, love that. I love that, Beverly. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and being so open with us. And um, I think it's really beautiful um, that you've created a life that doesn't seem like you want to escape from. You know, you've got this really beautiful world that's that's all made by you. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. This is a lot of fun. All right, Beverly. Talk to see you in our Facebook group. (laughs) Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening. Hello, Unruffled listeners. So we have produced a year's worth of content and have approximately 125,000 downloads to date. We can hardly believe it. We would like to give you, our listeners, the opportunity to help us continue to put out quality, meaningful content, but we have a big ask. We are both mothers and creative soulmates. We are multi-passionate and have many projects going on at once and feel like this is the right time to ask for some support. We talk a lot on our show about valuing your creative work and it's time we walk our talk. This is where you come in. So we've set up a Patreon account and your generous Patreon donations will help us to pay for hosting fees, better equipment, and assist us in our dedication to keep showing up here every week. In the future, we hope to take our show on the road and offer creative workshops in select cities across the United States, maybe even interview a few of our guests in person. In order to make any of this happen, we foresee the need to generate some revenue from the show. We believe that our listeners want to support us, so we're hoping that you can help us make these dreams become a reality. Our ask isn't huge. We're some sensible girls, right? We're really just asking for a dollar pledge per episode. That's $4 a month, less than a large decaf vanilla latte from Starbucks. A total steal, if you ask me. We'd love to offer some perks in the future, but first we need to get this campaign off the ground. We can circle back and check with you all later in the year to see what, if any, perks sound good to you. And we're just so grateful for our listeners, and we hope that we continue to earn your support. You can find our campaign on patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thanks guys.